a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. Scott Howell here with my good friend and colleague. We might not always agree, but we agree about one thing. We can agree to be disagreeable. We can agree to be disagreeable. This is Jim Bennett agreeing to be disagreeable. Uh, we got some disagreeable people coming in the text lines. That's a, that's a good segue here. Well, we're also getting a couple of texts. Apparently, there's a fire. There's a fire on the uh, on hillside on fire east of Kaysville, just east of Highway 89. And somebody else said, is nobody covering this fire on the mountains east of Farmington? Flames and smoke visible behind Smith's on Highway 89. So- KSL's on it. Thank you, Texter. We always appreciate those. 575-5000 is the number to Texas. And uh, that's, that, uh, thank you, Texter, for bring, calling in. So that's a helpful text. Here's an unhelpful text. Uh, somebody wrote in and said, um, where, 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 I just lost it. Well, first of all, they don't like the Biden support. Joe Biden is too old. Go Pete. And I actually like Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, Pete's interesting. Uh, Biden was part of inflating the budget by $11 trillion. He is not the answer, <laughs> capital N-O-T. And uh, uh, one says, please Google the who owned the national debt. And Pete, the who is Pete, capitalized. So yeah. Pete, Pete Townsend, oh, yeah. Roger right. Daltrey, the That's who, right. yeah. talking they about my generation. They owned the national pinball band. wizard right yes, there. Yes, I saw the Who in concert. They were wonderful. Oh my gosh, that would have been the best. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. So. I saw Elton John the other night. Oh yeah, blew my socks off. Oh my god, for almost three hours, the guy didn't stop. That's unreal. Did not stop, and he interacted with the audience. And I'm telling you, it was. Uh, we took our millennial kids and young kids, and it, you should have been there, Jim. We should have taken you because, as a connoisseur of the oh yeah. Art and community, and this guy, you know, we we sat kind of close, so we saw his finger. They're a little kind of stubby, and yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. That guy rocked it. He rocked oh, it. You know, it's amazing. All of these rockers, you know, near the end of their careers, are still going strong. We saw Paul McCartney a few years back. He did a three and a half oh, hour show, it, and it was it, every single thing was a hit. Although we didn't play anything older than you know newer than yeah, newer than nineteen eighty. You know, it was oh, all yeah, Beatles it was stuff that and all that kind of stuff. Now, are, are they great musicians? Oh, they're wonderful. They're just, and I loved yesterday in the New York Times, there was actually a story about Elton John being invited to Trump's uh, inauguration. Oh, yeah? And they're very good friends. And Elton the, John and Trump are good yes, friends? Yes, they have been friends over the years. And with the diplomacy of an Englishman and a knight, he wrote back this very apologetic that he couldn't make it. He was so sorry. He had a previous commitment, on and on yeah, and on. Yeah. And it was a really interesting article in the Times about that. Elton John one year played Rush Limbaugh's wedding. 
Oh, Rush see? Limbaugh play, so so he see? doesn't seem to have a whole no. lot of political. I, I don't think he does. I think know, he's, he's willing a, to... more about the individual. So. Well, br- speaking of the president, uh, I remember when President Trump said this as a candidate in 2016 that he would completely eliminate the national debt within eight years. Oh, good. I'm not sure if I'm ready to give him another four years. But <laughs> the other thing, yeah, it's, it's all coming up. He's, he's going to pile it up for four, <laughs> and then just come sweeping in the second four. And it's going to be great. Well, this is a little telltelling. The national debt. Talk one trillion in the first 11 months of the fiscal year the Treasury Department said last week. So if he's going to tackle that and eliminate, he's not doing too good the last 11 months. One trillion dollars. That's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's so ironic. Um, President Trump had uh, for years criticized politicians on both sides of the aisle for the size of the federal debt. But it has continued to jump in on his watch, surpassing $22 trillion this month. Right. Unbelievable. And this is happening at a time of peace and prosperity. You know, we, 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 we jack up the debt when we are struggling economically or when we are at war, when there's all kinds. The, the highest the debt has ever been as a percentage of the gross domestic product was during World War II. There you go. I mean, and, it, was, it was a far smaller dollar amount. And, and rightfully so. Remember? And rightfully so. We were, we were trying to save the world. Why are we spending this much money now? Yeah, that that's a that's a great question, and what are we spending it on? So, you know, I, I think um, you can look at this world so negatively. But Boyd Matheson, just a, a great writer, had an op-ed the other week. It's called "Hurricanes, Protests, and Mass Shootings: What Is the Antidote for Fear?" And in his article, he talked about some of the positive things that were going on in our country. And and we actually, uh, last week, had a segment on about marriages and teen pregnancy. It's all going down. Divorces are going down. And we forget that too often. But I I think that Boyd really nailed it in, in his comments last week. He, he quoted a re- world religious leader that said, it's better to lean into the stiff wind of opposition than to hunker down and do nothing. Then he said, quote, sometimes it's easier to look agonizing backward rather than face the fear of required action today. I saw this in my coaching and consulting work with business executives. Often my clients would start by attempting to tell me all the things had gone wrong or were going wrong in their lives. I soon recognized that for many there was a certain comfort in reviewing and revealing the past. But as uncomfortable it was, processing and moving forward was what made the difference. When we all face that murky hole of fear, the best thing to do is take action and step into and not be far, not run away. Oh, that's wonderful. What great advice. Yeah, that's and, and I think politicians need to do that. I think is even on your darkest day on Capitol Hill when everybody's upset at you or even at your work, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we have to have that faith and knowledge and wisdom that things will work out. No, I think that's an excellent point. You know, when, when I was really in the trenches of partisan politics, working on campaigns, and you, you spend all of this with a sort of adversarial idea that the people on the other side are terrible, and if they get in power, <laughs> the, the whole world will end. And having finally taken a step back from that, and realizing that politics is not the focus of my life, politics shouldn't be the focus of anybody's life. Right. Uh, we live in a world where people are healthier and happier than they have ever been, where opportunities are greater than they have ever been, where, you know, I mean, by, by almost any standard, a human life now is better 
than it has ever been at any point in time in history. That even you know middle class and even poor people have lives where they have access to health care and technology that is far greater than billionaires had you know 150 years ago. You know, Jim, that is so that is so true. Um, I walk around Pioneer Park all the time. I mean, it's kind of a passion of mine now. It's to make that family friendly and what it needs to be. And every homeless person that I come in contact has a cell phone. Right. I, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. Right. They really are. Thanks to AT and T, Mobile, Verizon, they all have packages to help uh, the most challenged and indigent. And but it's so great that they can have that communication. At least they can have a lifeline. But you're exactly right. And I, one uh, one example of this is Utah has taken on the fear of dealing with mental health, anxiety, depression, and suicide with action. A recent study, and this came from the Deseret News editorial board, contained critical first measures and future measures that should be taken to combat the crisis. They're doing something about that. We know that mental health and, and suicide is out there, but we can prevent it. And I like the uh, the uh, I, I like Deseret News and what they've been doing lately on these in-depth articles. You know, President Franklin D. Roosevelt faced immense challenges that rocked and shocked his whole confidence in the American people to the core. And he said in his first inaugural address, and you know this because you, you're so good at history. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert, retreat, and to advance. Truer words have never been spoken. Yeah. That's absolutely yeah. right. It was correct then. It's correct now. You know, Jim Bennett, I, uh, I, I am amazed that you're not Senator Bennett and that you're not Congressman Bennett or Governor or oh, Mayor. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> I can give you very good reasons <laughs> yeah. why I'm not. Right, right. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, people ask me all the time, well, how come you're not the U.S. Senator? I go, I didn't get enough votes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> how many times did you run? You I ran against uh, our uh, Orrin uh, twice, yeah. and then I ran uh, three times for the state Senate, won those. And then for a mayor uh, of a new community out where I live, Mill Creek, and lost that. So I'm batting about 500. In, in well, time. that's that's better than me. I've struck out every time. So yeah, I, but I ran, you know what? I run twice. But you got to think about Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. If you want to think about someone who never gave up and was had the tenacity to move on, it was Abraham Lincoln. Texters, tell us what you think. Should Jim Bennett run for <laughs> the next governor of the state of Utah? And the guy in, in Nevada who texted us before doesn't have to <laughs> answer like that, that question. Yeah, because you can't vote. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't clean up your potty language, by the way. (laughs) Let's go. uh, I think uh, it's time for a break, and we'll pass it on. Jim Bennett, Scott Hal, Inside Sources. We'll be better than us. Thank you.